Good evening, church. It is my joy and privilege to be able to speak to you on this Mother's Day weekend. And for those of you who are mothers or mother figures in this congregation, I just want to wish you a very blessed Mother's Day. And also to those of you who are watching online, thank you for joining us and a very blessed Mother's Day to those of you who are mothers. So um, I thought I would just share, you know, just say hello from my family. So I'll show you a little photo of my family. This is my husband, Kui, and my four boys, uh, Ethan, Elisha, Evan, and Enzo. Just want to send greetings to you. So Ethan is 10 this year. Elisha and Evan are twins. They are seven, and Enzo will be three this year. So I told them I will be coming to your church today. And so this morning, Elisha prayed for me, and he prayed that I will speak well, and that the people will hear the good news of the gospel. So yeah, you know, you have been lifted in our prayers. Recently, I came home from our Saturday service. So my church has a Saturday service that's also 5 o'clock. And I was greeted by my boys who kept giggling, you know. And I was in my room already by then. And they said they had a surprise for me in the living room. Actually, at that moment, right, the very first thought that crept into my mind was that, oh no, is it going to be messy? Is it going to be like a, you know, are they going to create something that I will have to go and clean up after this? But I just kept quiet. So I said, okay, show me what do you have in store. And so they brought me, you know, and they had arranged their soft toys in a row. So they, the soft toys were arranged like that, and they were holding up pictures that they had drawn. So pictures of hearts, pictures of my husband and I, and then they all hugged me, and then they said, I love you, mommy, you know, how was your day? How was service today? Uh, other times, right, when they, because Saturday they don't attend, so when they attend the Sunday service, and I take very long, they'll be like, why you take so long? Yeah, so not so sweet, and they'll be like, why you pray for so many people? Yeah, so, you know... Yeah, so Saturday, because they are not in the service, they're like, yeah, how was your day? And it was super sweet, you know, and I was very um, touched by that gesture. It was a regular Saturday, there was no special occasion, and they just did that. And at the very tender ages of 10, 7, and 3, that was how they showed honour, that was how they showed love towards me. As we celebrate Mother's Day this weekend, you know, we want to learn from the best son of all, and that is the Lord Jesus himself on how he honoured his mother. So we will be looking at two passages today, Luke chapter 2, 41 to 51, and John 19, 25 to 30. So these were the first and the last recorded instances of Jesus interacting with his mom in the Bible. Alright, so let me just pray, you know, and commit our time to God before I dive in. Alright, let us pray. Gracious Father, we just want to thank you for this wonderful opportunity together. Even as we honour mothers this weekend, we pray as we look into the word, Lord, to learn from Jesus himself. God, would you speak to our hearts? Would you open our hearts, our ears to hear you and to listen to you? And show us, Lord, what we are to do even in response to this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So church, before we read the passage together, let me just share with you our big idea for today, which is how to honour our mothers. So the big idea for today is how to honour our mothers. And there are two ways that we can do this. The first is to submit to our mother's authority. This is taken from the Luke passage. And the second way is to show care for our mothers with actions. So this is taken from our John 19 passage. So let me start off by reading for you Luke chapter 2, all right? Taken first from verse 41. Now, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. 
And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. The first way that we can submit to our mothers is to submit to their authority. This passage begins by telling us that Joseph and Mary went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. So traditionally, Jewish males were, you know, they were to go to Jerusalem three times a year at the feast of the Passover, the Pentecost, and the Tabernacles. Women usually entered these, uh, attended these festivals with their husbands or with their fathers, and those who could not attend all three festivals would at least try to attend the Passover. So at the age of 12, the instruction of boys became more intensive because it was to prepare them for adulthood. So according to customs, it would be around this time, you know, that Jewish parents would take their young sons with them for a year or two before their boy became a son of the covenant at the age of 13. So 12, Jesus was about this age in this passage. And as we might know, the Passover is a Jewish festival that celebrates the Israelites' exodus from Egypt. And this is their freedom, you know, from slavery. It's the most widely celebrated of all the Jewish celebrations. So this was a very important yearly opportunity for families to gather, to come and teach and recount the Lord's goodness, deliverance and faithfulness to their people. We see that in the first two verses, you know, the Luke makes very deliberate mention that Jesus' parents go to Jerusalem every year and they follow the customs. On top of that, they also stayed the whole duration of the feast. That is a lot of time that they have marked out, you know, in order to commemorate this together as a family. And I think all of these point to the fact that Mary and Joseph were very faithful followers and worshippers of Yahweh. They were also very intentional parents to really want to follow through in raising Jesus the proper way. So because the Jewish people were a very uh, communal community, you know, the families looked out for one another. It wasn't just like, oh, my family do my own thing, your family do your own thing. But they all looked out for each other. It was like a mega kampong kind of thing. And males and females at that time, sometimes they would congregate and travel separately. So it would not have been unusual to assume that Jesus was with the other parent in another cluster. Imagine their shock when they realized that they couldn't find Jesus and they had to make that journey back to Jerusalem just to find him. It took them three whole days of searching before they found Jesus. So just imagine with me that you are Mary, Jesus' mother. What would you be thinking in those three days? I'm sure she must have been consumed with worry. Where is my son? 
Where could he be now? He must be so hungry. And what if something bad happened to him? What if I lost the Son of God? Perhaps these were some of the thoughts, you know, that were going through Mary's mind. And when they finally found Jesus, it was not in some playground, as you might expect a child to be, but he was in the temple. He was sitting attentively amongst the teachers, listening and asking questions. What a surprising, unexpected place and position to find a child in. But there was Jesus, looking completely at home in his element. The passage tells us that Mary and Joseph were astonished, and very rightly so, right? His mother could not help but exclaim at that moment, Son, why have you treated us so? Your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. All the built-up worry and anxiety and perhaps even anger, you know, it just poured out. And Jesus responds with surprise, Why? Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? You know, when Jesus says, did you not know, we're not entirely sure. Is it because he had already earlier told his parents of his plan to stay behind in the synagogue and they kind of forgot, you know, perhaps in the whole excitement of things? Or was he referring to the expectation that his parents, most of all, should have understood that this was his calling and destiny, that this is what he has been raised and called to do? Since the angel of the Lord had already revealed to Mary that she will be carrying the Son of God. In any case, his words at that moment were lost on Mary and Joseph, and they did not understand what he was saying. You know, I think, thinking about 12-year-old Jesus, right, he could have reacted to his mother's ignorance. He could have considered her disruption at the temple of his learning journey as being very annoying, as being very unnecessary, and he could have played the Jesus card, right? He could have reported, retorted back, hey, don't you know, I'm Jesus. I have more important things to do than to follow you back to Nazareth. But he didn't. Jesus chose not to push his cause. He chose not to disobey his parents. Instead, he chose to be submissive by returning to Nazareth with them. Jesus already knows who he is, and he was completely secure in that. He is the Son of God, and yet he chose to be submissive to his earthly mom. And Mary treasured up all these things in her heart. It was so precious to her. She held the preciousness of these experiences with Jesus, how he chose to obey her, how he chose to love her, and it blessed her so. Even as an adult, Jesus continues to honour his mom. Remember the wedding in Cana, that was Jesus' first miracle. Even though Jesus had said that his time had not yet come, he still submitted to his mother's request when she told him to do something about the wine that had run out. Jesus' journey of obeying God did not begin on the cross. His journey of obeying God began humbly at birth, when he came as a helpless baby through Mary, all the way through as a young boy, you know, in his parents' household, to his teens and his adulthood, having to be subject to earthly parents. During my growing years, from secondary school all the way to JC, there was one recurrent contentious issue between my mom and I. She had a firm policy of not allowing me to stay overnight anywhere. 
Okay, so she absolutely refused to let me do any stayovers at my friend's house. And I definitely couldn't go to, you know, stay overnight at class chalets. How many of you still do class chalets? Is this such a thing now? <laughs> okay, I have a photo actually to show you what a chalet looks like in my time. La. La vintage, right? Vintage. Ah. So, for those of you who don't know, know what is, right? It's the far-flung part of East, you know, the East side, right? Uh, this is where people who, you know, want to gather together, they will book a chalet overnight and they have barbecues and they have sleepovers, whatever. So, it was very popular in my time, okay? And my friends, uh, my class would, you know, throw money together and every year, it was like this year-end thing where they would, uh, you know, end-of-year party. Yeah, so this was one of the options. Okay, so this was, this was something that my classmates did in secondary school as well as in JC. And she would, my mom would allow me to attend. So she would say, yeah, yeah, you can go for a short while. But I will always have to come home by a certain time, earlier than Cinderella. Okay, so I have to come home, you know, before whatever time. And there was absolutely no staying over, even if it was with my best friends who were all girls. And actually, I'm very, so my secondary school besties, right, there's three of us. And two of them are always, like, having stayovers. Of course, I'm invited, but I'm not allowed to stay. In fact, one of them, she stayed over at my other friend's house so much that the mom, the mom of my dad friend, right, the host, right, bought her her own pillow and bolster, okay? So she had her own uh, pillow and bolster, you know, but I didn't have because I was not part of the sacred group. Yeah, so I was not allowed, you know, to, and I yeah, never had that uh, desired pillow and uh, bolster. And so, yeah, my best friends were all girls, but my mom still didn't allow. And so it was, it was quite a bitter feeling, right? And at that time, you know, I was desperate to fit in. I didn't want to miss out uh, on all the fun I imagined that my friends were having. And of course, I'll be very upset, you know, both, I mean, at her and inside. And I think what made me the most angry was when I tried to press my mom for her reasons. I was like, hey, you must be logical. Like, I've always been responsible, right? So let's talk about this, right? So I pressed her for her reasons. And she was like, so we went back and forth and finally she just said, because I don't like it. <laughs> wow, like mic drop moment. No? And I was like, what? Oh, I just cannot. Yeah, I was so... Actually, I became more angry, you know, after that, you know, because I was like, what do, you, what do you mean? So, you know, am I subjected to this, like, your whim and fancy, you know, what you like and what you don't like? But that was the bottom line. She just didn't like it and she didn't want me to do it. Of course, I must confess, and you can tell already, right, that I was not as gracious, not as patient as Jesus was in my submission posture. I submitted outwardly. So I went home as agreed, but I was angry inside. And I think it was only much later, you know, that I saw the wisdom in her decision not to let me do those stayovers. In one instance, when my friends shared with me some of the kinds of activities or things that they were pressured to do in those stayovers, I was so glad, actually, that I wasn't there. And therefore, I didn't have to do anything I was not comfortable to or feel hard to reject. And I think now, as a mother myself, I can see all the possible dangers and abuses that could occur from these sleepovers. And I'm glad at that age that my mom exercised that authority over me even when I was unhappy about it. God protected me through my mother's wisdom. What are the areas where you struggle to submit to your parents? And what is your posture like towards your mom? Is there an area that perhaps God is nudging you, directing you to change. Perhaps there are areas where you feel that your mom just does not understand you at all and that she tends to impose her decisions on you. And I think those are the hardest, right, where you struggle to submit. For some of us, it could be a clash of values, of what you consider to be important to you. And every time you try to engage your mom on this, it seems to end badly. This can be a very difficult space to be in. 
Some of us don't have easy relationships with our mums at all, or our mothers themselves are not easy. But you know, our posture of submission is never dependent on whether our figures of authority are easy to submit to or not. In fact, it is when we find it the hardest that that is the true test of submission. Even though Jesus had more understanding than his parents of the overall big picture, he knew his calling, he knew what he was destined to do. He did not allow that to conjure up pride or disobedience. He trusted in God and in God's timing and he was submissive to his earthly parents. God still placed Jesus within a family unit. And I think that kind of submission to our parents to learn how to flow with order can only be learned in a family setting. And that was one of the most early education that Jesus could have received through his parents. Jesus trusted in God and he trusted in God's timing and he was submissive. But Jesus did not just stop there. He continues to show his honour to his mom all the way to the end of his life. And so this brings us to the second area where Jesus honours his mom by showing care for her. So for us, it is really to learn how to show care for our mothers with actions. Let me read John 19, 25 to 30 for us. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. And after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. We now come to this climatic moment in scripture where Jesus had just been humiliated, he had just been tortured, he had just been falsely accused, stripped and hung on the cross to die. All of this, in this time of great anguish and agony, who were the ones that were found standing by him? It was his mother, his mother, his aunt, Mary Magdalene and John, the disciple whom he loved. You must remember that this was not a hero's send-off. This was Jesus being treated worse than a criminal. And these four of them who stood by him, they risked public retaliation as they stood there. But a mother's love is such that Mary was there to simply be present with her son, to lend him comfort, to just be there for him. As Mary stood by the cross looking upon her stricken son, we can only imagine the kind of heartache and the kind of grief that was rippling through her. With God's help, she had raised Jesus, not just through her womb, but through decades of loving guidance, of prayer, of nurture. And now she stands here, unable to do anything for Jesus. But this is the moment where he turns to her, he turns his heart towards her, and he entrusts her to his beloved disciple and him to her. With such tender care and honour towards his mother, Jesus showed 
that even on the cross, his attention was directed to others and not upon himself. Even as he lay dying with the weight of the world upon his shoulders, Jesus still wanted to do something for his mom. And you know, the passage that we read earlier, it was only after Jesus had entrusted his mother to join his disciple, does the Bible then tell us, after this, Jesus knowing that all was now finished, requested for sour wine and then gave up his spirit to the Lord. The all in verse 28 encompassed all he had been called to do. From being submissive to his father's will, to his earthly duties as a son, Jesus demonstrated his care by his actions. But you know, my friends, the most significant act of love and honour that Jesus did was to die for his mother on the cross. That was the ultimate act of love, to give of himself so that he will not only care for her in this life, but she will be cared for for all of eternity. For who else has done more for mothers and can outgive mothers than Jesus himself. You know, when I was growing up, I had a helper in my household all the way until I was about 17. So up to that point, I rarely had to do many household chores and I certainly didn't cook since, you know, there was never like any need to. And in fact, it was like so bad, right, that I remember when I was in secondary school, I tried to... I used instant porridge for my home econs exam. And then when I light the stove, right, because it was so hot and I wasn't used to the heat, so I held a towel to hold the, to hold the, the, the handle. The, the towel caught fire. Yeah, and then like, my friend was like, oh my gosh! The teacher was like, just stop it, just stop, it's okay, it's okay. Then she looked at my instant porridge packet. I mean, you can imagine how I did for that home econs exam. Of course, I did not go on, you know, to major in home econs. Um, thankfully, things are a lot better now and I still keep four boys alive, so yeah. <laughs> But that was, that was me, you know, where I didn't have to do much around the house. And, and so 17 onwards, we didn't have a helper. So of course, at that time, we had to step up a lot more. And sometime when I was about 19 or so, my mom started getting very ill, you know, with stomach reflux issues. So she would have all these very intense bouts of vomiting, you know, where everything, even when she took water, she would just throw up. It was really bad. And sometimes she could be down for like a week. And, and I remember during that time feeling scared and also feeling very helpless, you know, as I saw her. I didn't know what to do and I didn't dare to ask. She looked so miserable that, you know, it's kind of like, do I leave her alone or do I approach her? And I, even when I approach her, I don't even know what I can do, you know, because I can't cook and I didn't know anything else. So at that time, she would also mostly just ask us to call my aunt for help. My mom is a twin herself. Yeah, so twins actually like run in my family. So we thought, I thought like, okay la, twin, so you know, twin, twin, so they understand each other, right? Yeah, so maybe that's why, maybe she prefers my aunt uh, to help her, you know? And yeah, so most of the time, my aunt would be the one who would just come down and help my mom and just stay for hours. So at first I thought, you know, yeah, she really prefers my aunt. But later on, you know, I found out that it was because she felt that we were too busy for her or that we can't be bothered to help her. And that's why she would just call my aunt because she thinks that we don't care. And I guess at that moment, I mean, it kind of hit me. Uh, and I realized that there was some truth, you know, in what she had said. Because I was so caught up with school, I was so caught up with my life. And my mom was the super Taiwan, you know. She's usually the one who keeps the entire household running. She's the one who really takes care of every detail. You don't have to do much. And it was so strange to see her in a state of need. And I think at that moment, it occurred to me that my mom is getting older. 
and it was time for me to make some effort to take care of her. So I decided, you know, to make myself useful. I decided to learn how to cook plain porridge because porridge water, as you would know, is the elixir of life, right? Okay, for those of you who are older in this congregation, you know, I mean, fed porridge water by your mother. Yeah, so I was like, okay, I, I can do this. I definitely can. Um, and so I, I, I tried to, you know, learn because that was the only thing that she could take uh, during those moments of stomach reflux. And so actually it took a lot of trial and error for a non-cook like me to get the porridge right but I succeeded. And I was so glad that finally, you know, this was one practical way that I could serve my mum. And that was the beginning. I think that was the start of my trying to be less self-absorbed and more intentional in looking out for her. And when I became a mum myself and made my very first porridge for my son, I thought of that very first time that I made porridge for my mum, compelled by love and necessity. And of course, God is very good, right? I mean, I didn't kill my mum then, you know, with the porridge. And so I can keep my son alive now with this porridge. And I think so often our mothers take care so much of the household, you know, and they are working tirelessly behind the scenes. And actually our moms need encouragement and appreciation too. And if we say we love our mothers, then we must accompany it with our actions. How is God leading you to show care for your mother? For some of us, it could be to set aside regular time to check in with our mums. I don't know how many of your mums have ever said this to you. Hey, you think the house, uh, your hotel. Uh, yeah, okay? So if you're in that category, you know uh, you need to reevaluate your schedule, okay? Yeah, so, so some of you like, wow, I don't want to eat lunch with you, eat dinner with you, I must book your time, uh, like as if you're some CEO from don't know where. Okay, that is your mum essentially saying she misses you and she wants time with you. So for some of us, it could be this, you know, set aside regular time, uh, check in with your mum, how is your day, how are you? Uh, offer help, you know, and tech support whenever she needs. Um, that could be one of the ways. I think young adults, you're very good with tech, but your parents are not, right? And so sometimes, I, I mean, I hear my young adults share with me all the time and I experience it as well, right? You know, where your mom needs help. It is app, how ah? Yeah. Yeah. And then all of you also like, yeah, give me la, give me la. You know, then you do very fast. Then they don't learn anything. So they take back their phone. Then one week later, eh, how ah, how ah? Yeah, then you again, yeah. So, you know, so sometimes we can show our irritation and perhaps God is telling us, can you just be a little bit more patient? I had one of my uh, friends, you know, who saw her mom getting confused or her parents getting confused by which wire to charge which uh, device. So she decided to color code all the wires and then she color coded all the devices with like little stickers so matching. So you just need to match the color. It's brilliant. She took a whole afternoon, you know, to come back. She lives in the US, but when she came back, she was like, I'm going to do this for my mom. And she set aside an afternoon and she did it. You know, so things like that, I think, can show that you love them, you care for them, and you see their need. You know, and I think there are things perhaps, you know, that your mom has asked you to do, but you have been procrastinating, would you do it? You know, just because you live in the same household, you think there's always tomorrow, like tomorrow is the best day, right? But then tomorrow never comes, then in the end, your mom ends up doing it, and then she gets angry with you because, you know, you didn't listen to her. So these are ways, I think, small ways, but important ways that we can show our parents uh, that we care for them. And I think one of the things, you know, that I was thinking about, you know, as I was preparing this message was that very often we perhaps expect our parents to be the one who will take the initiative to do things for us or to build that relationship with us. But relationship building is two ways. And we can take that initiative and make that effort too. So would you do that? Mother's Day shouldn't be the only day that we submit to our mother's authority or show care for her. But today can be the start of honouring our mums more intentionally if we have not been able to do so previously. It doesn't have to be a grand gesture, you know, the important thing is to simply show that you care. 
From childhood right up to his death, Jesus demonstrated his honour to his mum by his submissiveness and caring actions. And I believe that he is modelling for us to do that towards our mum as well, the two ways that we can honour our mothers. For some of us, you know, this comes easy because we are close to our mums, but for some of us, this is difficult. We may not be like Jesus, right, who died on the cross for all of us and for his mum, but I think one thing that perhaps God is challenging us to do is to die to ourselves, to die to ourselves so that we can better submit and love our mothers. Sometimes that entails withholding judgment and a critical spirit. Sometimes that might entail us being less entitled and more appreciative of them. Throughout my growing up years, I really struggled with being submissive to my parents. I often found them too strict, you know, and I, and I felt resentful about their many rules. And our relationship was quite rocky. I think when I was in like, JC, no, I was getting married and I was moving out and I brought my old journals, right? And I look at my P6 diary, I was like, oh my goodness, I was so drama. Like, I had so many angsty letters, you know, about my mom and my dad writing inside. And, and that was the nature of our relationship. But when I was 18 and 19, I had a personal revival in my walk with God. And during that time, He began to turn my heart towards my parents. I knew deep inside, I did not like being angry with my parents. I did not like it. I was angry with them, but I didn't like it. And I knew he was nudging me to work towards restoring that relationship, to be more approachable, to be more loving. But it was hard. And I think the breakthrough finally came, you know, when my mentor at that time, she started mentoring me when I was 19. She challenged me to be more open about my life with my parents. And, and I mean, up to that point, I actually didn't share much with them. And also at that point, I was secretly dating. So that was one of the things that she challenged me. She said, I won't tell your mom, but I want you to tell her. I give you six months deadline. So I was like, okay. <laughs> so I had like, okay, six months, you know. But I mean, I think within that few months, like, I was like, no, I want to be open with my mom. Of course, she kept encouraging my, my mentor. And so I did. I shared with my mom about the boy, you know, I was dating. And she didn't react negatively as I thought she would. And in fact, she invited my special friend, you know, to have dinner with my family. That special friend is now my husband. Yeah, so... Yeah, so he, so I guess that, that whole period, you know, it wasn't like a magical change overnight, but that period opened up the way for us to have more conversations subsequently. And I think in one of those conversations, you know, between my mom and I, something that she said kind of stuck with me until today. And this is what she said. No one taught me to be a mother. I had to just learn on the job. I think when she told me this, right, I just saw in her eyes that beyond that very strong exterior, that she had so many challenges, so much perhaps pain and suffering raising me. Because one of the things that she also shared with me was that in times where she didn't know what to do with me, she just prayed and she just cried out to the Lord and she just asked God to come and intervene. And now that I'm a mother, you know, myself, I feel this greatly too the deep love that you have for your child, the feeling that you want to do your best for your child, but also the many moments, the many, many moments where you're on your knees because you feel like you have failed as a mother and you do not know what to do. And I really thank God that in all those moments of lack, that God is here to help us and to guide us. And He has given us a community of spiritual mothers and fathers to look to as well. And here, I just want to honour all of you who are spiritual mums, your cell leaders, you know, your mentors, uh, your yeah, mothers 
spiritual moms in one way or the other in this congregation, pouring your life into the next gen. You're doing such an important work in coming alongside families to disciple, to love, to nurture. As the worship team just plays, I just want us to take this time to consider all that we have been listening. This weekend, being Mother's Day, let us begin this culture of honouring if we have not already begun to do so. And as Jesus honoured his mum, even to his death, let us honour our mothers with our posture of submission to show care for her. So I just want to give us some quiet time, just on our own, for the next you know, 30 seconds or so. Would you just close your eyes and look to God and ask God, how can I honour my mum? Is there an area I need to submit to her authority? Or is there an area that I need to show her more care? Would you just listen to him right now? Church, can I invite you to stand? Just remain in this posture of prayer. Would you just keep your eyes closed? I want to give us an opportunity to respond to the Lord today. Whatever the Lord has spoken to you during this time on how to honour your mum, would you just go and do it after the service? But I believe at the same time, there are three groups of people that the Lord wants to minister to. And if, if this is you, then I want you to come to the altar after, you know, I give the call and let your leaders pray with you. So all eyes closed, this is a safe and sacred space between you and the Lord. The first group of people that I believe the Lord wants to minister to today are those of you who are experiencing a strained relationship with your mum. You want to submit and you want to show care, but you have been struggling to do so. Perhaps you have been hurt, you have been wounded, you have been disappointed by your mom. You have tried to show her care, but it was rejected. It was not reciprocated. I believe that today, God is inviting you to come and release forgiveness, to ask Him for hope afresh, for healing and restoration upon that relationship. So later on, would you just come, if this is you. The second group of people are those of you who are missing your mother's or desperately needing a mother's touch. Perhaps your mom has been absent or your mom has passed on or for some reason is not able to be as present with you as you would like her to be. The Lord wants to fill that void today. He wants you to know that He sees you and He sees the longing in you and He is here to meet you where you are. So come to the altar 
and be filled afresh with His love. And finally, the third group are for those of you who want to intercede and pray for your mothers, for our mothers who have not yet received Christ or are far away from God, for your mothers who are battling an illness right now and it is such a lonely journey for you, for those of you whose mothers are experiencing relational issues or just undergoing great challenges, as you see your mother's need, would you come and let your leaders, this community, stand alongside with you and to pray for you. So church, if God is speaking to you in any of these, or you just want prayer, would you just come and let the Lord minister to you, to let your leaders and your pastors pray with you? Because God is always in the business of healing, of restoring, of redeeming relationships. And it is never too late for Him to begin this work in our hearts and in the hearts of our mothers. So as we go into a time of worship now, would you come?